My name is Max Rudolph, and along with Dave Ingram, invite you to join our Crossing Thin Ice podcast. The Three Little Pigs is a familiar story with lessons for risk managers. In an article published in our Actuarial Risk Management SRSE newsletter, Dave provides some thought-provoking analysis about uncertainty and potential adjustments that can be made as circumstances evolve. story of the three pigs is often misinterpreted by risk managers to be saying that more risk mitigation, that is, the brick house of the third pig in the story, is always better. I think that the real message is about the difference between risk tolerance and the calibration of the risk assessment system. Some might suggest that the inadequate risk mitigation, or wolf-proofing, was a result of inappropriate risk tolerances of the first two pigs with houses built out of straw and sticks. But I would instead argue that it is not credible that the three pigs had different risk tolerances. None of them were willing to easily accept the idea that they would lose their house to wolf puffing. I believe that the first two pigs had risk assessment systems that proved to be inappropriately calibrated. All three pigs had a low tolerance for loss of their house. But the first pig thought that it was highly unlikely that a wolf would come to their house, so the straw was safe enough. The second pig thought that maybe a wolf might come by, but that pig thought that most wolves did not have enough capacity to break through the sticks, let alone blow the stick house away. So for my money, the Three Little Pig story is a cautionary tale about risk assessment system calibration. There is a secondary message about situational adjustments to risk tolerance and risk assessments. Once the wolf was detected, the first two pigs did not seem to have any last-minute adjustments to their risk tolerance or risk assessments. Had they done either, they might have gone directly to the third pig's brick house rather than experiencing the terror of having their own houses puffed away around them. But the main point is that both pigs did not properly set their risk model assumptions. This applies in our world as well. If there was any doubt, the events of the first half of 2022, including the evasion of Ukraine and the stock market drop, made it completely clear that this is another year of high uncertainty about the degree to which a major adverse event will have an impact upon our businesses. There are wolves loose in the world around us all. Some companies will plow ahead without modifying their business plans in any way. Many companies who never really had any faith in their risk management system in the first place will completely ignore their risk tolerances and risk assessment systems and informally change their plans to react to the emerging situation and to their perception of potential impact on them. Companies that try to use their ERM system to help address the situation may take one of three paths. They might make an ad hoc change to their overall risk tolerance and then reduce risk limits for the risks that they believe are most likely to be impacted by the emerging events. Or they might adjust their risk assessments to reflect higher short-term likelihood of either the frequency or severity of losses and then look at how the higher assessments impact their risk position and plans compared to the risk tolerance and limits. A few companies might do both. They might change their risk assessments and reflect higher near-term risk and reduce their risk tolerances for some risks, possibly because of higher uncertainty around those risk assessments.
but I think that there's a different approach that fits the situation much better. That approach is the introduction of an uncertainty factor in the risk assessments and a tolerance for uncertainty. Over the past two years with COVID-19 and now with the Ukraine invasion, we've been living with a heightened degree of uncertainty. What we have to determine is whether this uncertainty has a significant direct impact upon the major known risks of our businesses, or if that uncertainty will lead to the emergence of totally new risks. The gyrations of the U.S. stock market are, at least in part, the result of investors trying to reach a conclusion about that question of uncertainty. Some will reach the conclusion that the level of uncertainty in the stock market is just too much for them, and they will reduce the equity position in their portfolios. In the end, bringing the idea of uncertainty into the discussion may seem a lot like the first reaction mentioned above, of ignoring the risk tolerance and risk assessments. The difference is that when you do that for an articulated reason, uncertainty that is, you have a clear path back to relying upon risk tolerances and risk assessments when the uncertainty has receded. But the idea of adjusting the level of uncertainty in the risk assessments only works if management is not certain that the level of risk has changed. In the end, a risk assessment that is not aligned with the beliefs of the user of those assessments will lose credibility and eventually be ignored. Once the wolf tires of blowing against the brick house of the third pig, the first two pigs need to assess what went wrong with their housing plans and rebuild. Does the first pig change their risk model so that a wolf that was not at all expected is now a certainty? Does the second pig upgrade their wolf strength assumption after a careful census of the number of wolves in the region as well as a sampling of their lung power? Or do they just build brick houses and skip the risk assessment? Before we move on to part two of today's podcast, we want to tell you about the ARM Actuarial Data and Modeling Institute that supports a wide variety of actuarial tasks. Dave, actuarial modeling is fast becoming a highly specialized, sophisticated, and critical function as insurance regulations, products, and assets become increasingly complex. To keep up with this rapidly changing environment, insurers are challenged to recruit and retain resources and to implement the technology needed to accurately model their businesses to inform critical management decisions that drive stakeholder value. Well, Max, the ARM Data and Modeling Institute provides insurers a modern solution to their actuarial modeling needs, backed by ARM's network of highly experienced consultants The ARM DMI supports clients in all modeling applications, including statutory and gap reporting, capital management, product development, business planning, M&A, IFRS 17, LDTI, PBR, actuarial systems implementation, and conversion. You should explore how your business can benefit from the latest actuarial modeling technology. ARM will work with you every step of the way to provide you with reporting, capital management, product development, and business planning actuarial modeling expertise. Contact ARM today. Now, back to our podcast. Okay, let's talk about the three little pigs. This is kind of going to be my my favorite section, I think, today. Dave, you wrote wrote this article, and and it's it's really interesting. Why don't you share with us why why would 
risk managers misinterpret this fairy tale if, if they actually thought about it uh, more closely? What I was really assuming was that the people on both sides of, of that, that kind of situation, the situation being when you have a large loss that you didn't expect, people on both sides would be trying to avoid responsibility and pointing at the people on the other side. So the, the two sides I'm thinking of here are the managers or management who has their risk tolerances and risk limits and the modelers who have their risk assessments. So the managers would say, my risk tolerance was right. It, it was your risk model that caused the problem. The risk modelers will say, I had the risk model right. It was your tolerance uh, or, or the fact that you didn't follow it that, that caused the problem. In this particular story, my supposition there was, well, it seemed to make more sense that it was the risk model's problem because it, it doesn't make sense to say that any of the three pigs uh, had a risk tolerance that included the idea of, oh yeah, it's acceptable to lose my house. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that, that's kind of where the, the story came from, uh, but it could be either one, e either side or the other that, that, that's really the problem. Well, we're in the process of, of building a house right now. So the story is, is very appropriate for me because I, I don't really want to have someone come and blow down my house either. From that context, sometimes, you know, it's easy to introduce a concept using a fairy tale, but can you walk us through some real world risks that would, would fit in this, in this template? Sure. I'll start with the, the financial crisis. After the crisis was over, I remember doing a, a little bit of informal polling of modelers to say, okay, well, the, the S&P 500 went down 37% in 2008. Uh, the, the biggest loss for the market in quite a while. Where, where would your model have said that that kind of loss fell so far as likelihood? And the answers I got almost all fell in the range of one and 200 to one and 250. When I looked at the actual record and, and the records are a little bit fuzzy because we didn't write exactly the same things down over time, but uh, some people have gone back and sort of reproduced what it would have been if there had been an S&P 500 100 years ago. And, and what you see is that there were actually three times that the market would have shown a loss that large in, in uh, 100 years. So saying that it was a, a 1 in 200 to 1 in 250 loss was basically a this time it's different model. Saying that uh, we aren't going to have losses like the past because we're a lot smarter than they were then. Uh, it turns out we weren't smarter and that loss happened. There, there was a model uh, deficiency there. Exposures to equities might have been within company tolerances based on what the models told them, but based on what a more realistic model would have said, that may not have been the case. But on the other hand, uh, risk tolerances could have drifted up during that run-up period as well. And in fact, there's, there's a lot of evidence that uh, maybe not for equity risk, but for mortgage real estate risk, uh, that, that the risk tolerances did drift up to, to accept almost anything. Um, you look at the pandemic and, and, and certainly uh, our experience during the pandemic, things went up and down several times. Any of us that tried to do models of the, of the pandemic saw our models winking in and out of, of uh, being predictive of what was going on. But we also saw people having risk tolerances that were more optimistic than realistic. This, this, both sides of, of this issue keep, keep coming up. I've kind of switched away from doing 
more stochastic work to to essentially saying let's let's focus on scenario planning and and making sure that one of the scenarios is just what's the worst thing that's happened in the last hundred years and and trying to to make sure that at least gets gets considered how how does the distinction between changes in in risk tolerance and and changes in risk assessment factor into a strategic discussion of a risk oh that's a great question I, I see uh, the, a discussion of this is something that, that should be a fundamental part of the beginning of, of any strategic planning process. I, I was the planning officer for an insurance company, I don't know, 30 years ago, some time ago. Uh, we did have a discussion like that at the beginning of the planning process, not necessarily relating to the models. Uh, I, I think for the, for the benefit of the risk management program, that would be very useful to have that being that discussion being linked to uh, the, the basic assumption set and the methodology of the modeling so that uh, the, the modeling uh, is done in a way that's consistent with what management thinks the future is going to be. Uh, a lot of modelers that I know of think of themselves as having a primary uh, task of, of getting the model right, uh, getting those assumptions to be what they ought to be and, and sort of uh, thinking that uh, their job then was defend that uh, against, against all arguments. And uh, I, I just think that's fundamentally wrong, that, that, that uh, the risk model is a tool of the management of the company. It's not independent of the management of the company. And, and if the risk modeler uh, is modeling a world that's different than the world that management thinks is going to happen, the management is going to ignore the risk model. So it, it's going to, going to be doubly uh, detrimental to the company to, to take that kind of a path. So, Fairy tales are usually valuable to adult situations as well. As risk managers, we need to consider various levels of complexity to model a risk. We also need to incorporate risk tolerances and the likelihood of an event. An asteroid hit that leads to a mass extinction is, is certainly interesting, but it's a waste of valuable time since there's no risk mitigation strategy available to, to a business. We should spend our time thinking about tail scenarios that directly impact our risk exposure like infectious diseases and changes in interest rates. Thinking about what can go wrong or right adds value to the firm. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Crossing Thin Ice presented by Actuarial Risk Management. If you found it valuable, please like and subscribe.